This week on The Uncommon Truth, Steve and I are going back to our roots, seeing if we can remember how to do a podcast without the amazing Vicky Orsillo. And we're continuing our discussion series about what Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like. This week, we're doing our best to sort out the parable of the wedding feast in Matthew 22. When the king of heaven invites you to join him in celebration, what is your response? And is there anything to do besides just showing up? Keep listening to find out. Here's a taste of what's coming up. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who threw a wedding feast and expects you to change Mm. and become the wedding guest he intended you to be. Mm. And that's, I got to change. I got to deny myself, pick up my cross and follow Jesus or I'm going to be sent away. You're listening to The Uncommon Truth. A podcast about Christianity the way Jesus meant it to be. The Uncommon Truth is a podcast produced by the Father's House Church of Orville, California, and is available wherever podcasts can be found. If you missed an episode or want to share the show with a friend, visit uncommonpodcast.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a second to leave us a review. That helps us climb the charts so more people can find out about Christianity the way Jesus meant it to be. If you want to give us your feedback, you can email the show at uncommontruthpodcast at gmail.com and we'll try to feature your questions and comments in an upcoming episode. Finally, if you're looking to learn more about the Father's House Church, School of Transformation, or Life Recovery Ministries, visit fathershouseoroville.com. And now let's get into the Uncommon Truth. All right, welcome to The Uncommon Truth with Pastor Steve Orsillo. That's right. We uh, kicked Vicky out today. She no, uh, kicked her out. She had a doctor's appointment. Good grief, I lost her today. And uh, it was pretty funny because I've been at, at our summer camp out, right, and in this record heat wave, which was Woo! crazy. We spent a lot of crazy. time at the pond. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Launched some water balloons at kids with a, a trebuchet that the kids built themselves. That's funny. That actually worked. Um, and Vicky sent, I, I got a text while I was there that I didn't get time to deal with because I didn't have my phone with me, but it said, I uh, can't, can't make it, got a doctor's appointment that I forgot about. Oops. And so I just assumed, well, Vicky's not here, we're not going to do the podcast. And then I realized, wait, we started this thing, just you and I, we That's can right. do it, right? We can do it. We can do it. So there'll probably be less, less bickering. I don't think I can hold my own against you like Vicky kid. That's right. And, uh, you know. Uh, everything's better with a little Vicky. That's right. Yeah, throwing alongside. Well, we'll wait. We'll get. Um, it would be kind of fun to do one where you just have her listen to the podcast and right. then pause for her reactions. <laughs> maybe later on, that'd be a fun yeah, kind of segment yeah. to do Facebook Live or something like that. Yeah. How you doing? I am awesome. Thank you. It's uh It's busy and it's hot. And we're under pressure for some buildings that we're bringing in. Mm -hmm. So we're starting in the middle of the night, you know, like dark 30. Yeah, just to beat the heat. Yeah, Up. so the end of the church is a big metal wall, and the sun comes up and hits it directly and reflects it. And so it's it's a good 10 degrees hotter Mm -hmm. at the end of that building than whatever the temperature says. Yeah. Yesterday... um, it, I've I've worked all my life in this heat, and 
the real brutality of a 110 degree day, which I don't know how that translates into centigrade. Yeah, but, probably uh, like 36 or 37 or 40. 46, 46 maybe 45 something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that. I think 110 and 44 are equivalent something like that, yeah. isn't it? And uh, I don't know. I could be wrong. 40 is 104, that's all I know. Okay. So it is brutal over there. Yesterday I could feel that was like 110. It, mm. And the day before that was even worse and it just yeah. reflects on it and you're in this dirt dirt not a tree around. So it's been it's been something we got to get it done because these buildings are on their way and we got to get them set. So it's all uh, it's all good. It's just the way things are building, you know. And yep. In the end, you look at it and go, look what we did. It's yep. awesome. What, look what we got to be part of. And then you get to live your life watching what those happens in those buildings and mm -hmm. the things you accomplish in those buildings and all the good people that come here and transform their lives doing these things and living under this thing. And then you you get to say, wow, remember when we put those together? Yeah. It seemed hard, but now it's so worth it. I, I was thinking the same thing at camp because we had – so we had to camp out for a bunch of kids from the community and from our church and our kids' church. And so they asked me to help run some team building, which was super fun. We got them to uh, work together to construct, uh, construct trebuchets, like catapult things catapult, and launch, yeah. launch stuff and uh, build rafts and see if they would float. And it was really interesting. Uh, I got a nice, I finally managed to be someplace where I could tan my head. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Did we get all the non-floating rafts out of my pond? We got them or out. Or do I have yeah. to go diving? No, that was part of it. They had to recover them. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, you, you do team building stuff. So you try to get them to, I told the leaders, you're not allowed to talk unless you ask a question, right? And so the question was, how many of you went to the camp last time when we built rafts? and remembered the designs that worked and didn't work. And they all said, oh, yeah, we remember what worked and what didn't work. We're going to do it different. We had four rafts designed, four different teams. Four of them were exactly the same as last four from the last camp out. That didn't work. I guess you give, you give them these big 50-gallon food barrels and a, yeah. and a couple pallets, and you could use whatever you want, and they all come up with the same design, two food barrels with a pallet on top. And, uh, and it they takes fall over. the only reason one person made it was because she was had the most balance I've ever seen a child have it was spread like a, a spider on, on this thing, laying flat and using a two by four <laughs> as a paddle. And uh, it was fun. Well, that's fun. And I they love, they all I fell apart, it. and kids had a great time. Yep, There's a couple would. reenactments of the movie Titanic where kids <laughs> the barrels just are gone and they're just floating on the on the pallet trying to keep it afloat, trying not to stay wet. But That's fun. It was a lot of fun. At least you had a pond to get out of the heat. Well, that was amazing. Yeah. And uh, I tell you what, your your granddaughter, Dominica, yeah. she can sure hit that rope swing. Yeah. Man, she's <laughs> – must be some of the perfect weight and perfect size. She goes flying. It's great. That is one amazing child. It is fun, uh, just fun hanging out with the kids, although it's putting me under the weather a little bit <laughs> with uh, woke up, you know, like sleeping in my own bed for a while, and then you're like, wow. That kind of beat you up at, at 34. You're not going quite as fast as you were at 24. Yes. And recovering as quickly. Well, so. tell me, let me tell you about 64 sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just slept in a tent five days or something on that road trip, and it's a whole different world. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, we had cots, but it was uh, – it was – I think the that wasn't the hard part. It was the – the things, you know, the kids not going to bed until the wee hours and then, hours, you know, yeah. waking up with, I woke up, one kid woke up and he was standing on his bunk bed, just 
standing up. And I'm like, hey, you should lay down now. He goes, okay. He goes back to sleep, remember nothing in the morning. But that's, you know, that's, that's camp. camp. Oh, so. the days of camp. I miss them. Anyway. Some um, of the funnest times of my life were camp, kids' camps, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, thanks for joining us. We're going to continue our series. It's uh, It's been th- 10 episodes now. This is our 10th one. Going into The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. And I can't believe we didn't think of that earlier as a good series to go into because it's been pretty, pretty life-changing for me seeing these are just parables where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven can be compared to or it's like or is you know this is this is what you can expect and it seems like it'd be some of the first things we should pay attention to if we really want to know what what reality is like in in the kingdom and Jesus has been laying it out for us in in the gospels and this one is from Matthew 22 so um, yep. should I just go ahead and read it let's read it all right, so Steve likes the, the NASB, so we're going to read that. So, uh, you know, I just did some voiceover work, so just sit back and, and listen to this. <laughs> this. Hopefully I get all the names right and everything. All right. This is, if you're following along at home, it's a parable of the, the wedding feast from Matthew 22. And Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who held a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened cattle are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their separate ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and treated them abusively, then killed them. Now the king was angry, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited are not worthy. So go to the main roads and invite whomever you find there to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Tie his hands and feet, and throw him into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place, for many are called, but few are chosen. And that one, even though it's so so hot here, it makes your blood run a little bit cold, right? That it is disturbing. That's what the the kingdom of heaven is like. So many respondents, you know, how many different respondents there are. It's it's chilling. So there's a ton going on there. Where do you want to start? Well, the most important place to start is always the what the kingdom of heaven is like, and I think that. Generally, the majority read that and they think that the the kingdom of heaven is like this wedding feast, but that isn't what it says. The kingdom of heaven is like a king hmm. who threw a wedding feast. And it's all about the king of heaven. And this is probably one of the most revealing parables about what's required at this wedding feast. You know, you have the oil that the bridesmaids had and didn't have. And... Hmm. These made sure they had some, and these ran out and went to the store to buy some more. Um, there's all these parables about it, but this one is like a king through a wedding feast, and, and it's so telltale about how he does wedding feasts 
and what it means to be in the wedding feast and what it means to be out of the wedding feast. The, the bridesmaids the, that got locked out, they also were pounding on the door with weeping and gnashing of teeth. And in this one, you've got the, the people who were in the original invited guests had all these reasons not to come, and they, and they treated his servants poorly. Now, we'd like to call that a parable, but it's more like a story of what really happened. Hmm. And the, finally, in one place, it says they, they killed him, you know, killed the servants, killed the prophets, stoned the prophets, and then killed the son. Lots of parables say then they sent his son. They killed the son. And that's more like the truth. This is what happened. So then he went out in the byways and highways and invited the dregs like me and maybe you if you consider yourself to be highway and byway type people. But he definitely went out and invited me and I had to come. And it's this, this thing about the wedding garment, that really, that's the one that scares me. Mm-hmm. Okay, he invited me. And I came, I am now coming willingly. I'm coming to that feast. I want to be there for the marriage of the bride and the lamb. And um, the fact that there's a certain garment to wear. And in one time it says that there's a certain door to come through. The thief comes through the window. The, the, the invited guest comes through the door. And there's, it's so important to look back at this, every one of these parables, what is the kingdom of heaven like? In one place, it's a, it's a merchant seeking fine pearls. And we always make it the pearl of great price is what the kingdom of heaven is like. But it's the merchant. The kingdom of heaven is a merchant seeking fine pearls. So we're the fine pearl he's seeking. The kingdom of heaven is like a buried treasure. And it's about how do you get the treasure? You give up all that you have to possess it. You do whatever you can to buy the land, to have to own the buried treasure that's in it and in this one it's like a king and i think first and foremost progressive christianity doesn't allow for a king the Mm. my christianity is that i serve a king i hope yours is that you serve a king because the kingdom of heaven is like a king and that king is it's like a king throwing a wedding feast who has full authority to invite who he wants accept who he wants and punish who he wants. He's the king. And right. once you surrender to the king and you surrender to the idea that he's throwing a wedding feast, you have to do, you have to find out from him what he expects you to wear, what day he expects you to be there, how he expects you to respond to his invitation, and it's really amazing how it does not go well for those in this story who did not respond to his invitation treated his servants poorly, or came to the wedding feast in the wrong garment. Hmm. And it doesn't tell us a whole lot about the benefits to those who came to the wedding feast properly, responded well, answered the call, came in the right door, wore the right garment. It doesn't say much about it, but it's what it, so what it, what is it? It's a warning. Yeah. Understand the king of heaven. And so often people are telling me, and I'm like, have you even read what he himself says he himself is like? Have you seen how he responds? Someone told me today that I don't like to be misunderstood. And it dawned on me, oh, is that godly or not godly to not like being misunderstood? And I look at it, well, 
I got to tell you, it's pretty clear from these parables, God does not like to be misunderstood. Hmm. Jesus does not like to be misunderstood. He tells them, the Pharisees, you know, we've said all these things and you took it this way and you did this and you did these things. And it's like you can't even understand the principles that that God has given you. You've taken man's principles and made them God's principles when God's given you plenty of principles. And it's really clear that God doesn't like to be misunderstood. And this parable should not be misunderstood. There's a wedding feast and the kingdom of heaven is going to throw a feast and it's the wedding feast of the Lamb. And you got to come his way, not your way. That's super interesting. I was I did a little bit of reading and research into like wedding feasts because we got a wedding coming up this weekend. Yeah. Friends of ours getting ma- married and absolutely it's super exciting. But excited. I don't think they did things back then the same way they do, you know, invitations and stuff right. now. Like, I mean, there's always courtesy when it's like, well, you you don't not show up when you are SVP because there's meals cooked for you and places saved for yeah, you and money things spent like that. based on your promise you know but um, back then in uh, in like first century Middle East it was, if the king invited you it yeah. was like it's not it's not really an invitation right it's a right. summons it's a summons and uh, and it's you know it seems like oh wow that's kind of that's kind of uh, off-putting but he it was a summons with an incredible banquet, right? Like here's everything like fattened calf and all my oxen are slaughtered, slaughtered. It's waiting for you. And so what I found out is actually he sent, he sent a first round. They usually would send a first round of messengers and say, Hey, we've got this coming up. But in those days, you know, you prepare a feast, a wedding feast that could be a week long. You have no idea how long it's going to take to prepare. So it's just, Hey, be prepared. This wedding feast is coming. And then the second round is saying, hey, it's ready. Come on down. And, um, and usually the, the most important people could kind of show up at their leisure as long as they showed up. And then the other ones would, you know, well, we have to be there on time. Kind of how it is now. But uh, to refuse the king's wedding feast, that yeah. could have actually, you know, if a, if a rival king or a nobleman or somebody refused the king, it was very common for somebody to just no longer be a nobleman or no longer have their lands or their anything like that. In this story, he took his armies and burned their cities. It's like, whoa. So you invited the whole city. Everybody got burned. Everybody's house got burned. You know, everybody in the city. I mean, who turns you down? Who who ignored your summons? Hmm. Well, I think what the point is, is he invited them all. When you invite the nobleman, you're inviting everybody he's the mm-hmm. Lord over. When you invite foreign king, you're inviting his country. And it's like this particular wedding feast is that way. Not all are that way. Like our friend, if we were to have an emergency and not be able to go to the wedding Sunday, I mean, I have to be there, but you don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, there would be no consequence nor any hard feelings. Yeah. You'd be a little sad you missed it. He'd be sad you missed it. Or she would, you know, both. Yep. But this is the kingdom of heaven is like a king. And he's telling you how the king responds to ignoring his summons. How the king responds to mistreating his servants. How the king responds to your acceptance and your incoming. You get the fatted calf. You get the feast. And then, of course, coming in a phony way with the wrong garment. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I, I assume it didn't say tell, tell you how to dress and you dress the way he wants you because he's a king. I do ask and I ask, how do you want me to dress for every bride and groom? And they tell me and I try with all I have to match what they want. When you're officiating? Yeah. Yeah. At every wedding, I try to be there in what they want me dressed in. Well, this guy must have, this king must have made it clear because otherwise, how can he hold a guy responsible for mm -hmm. what he's wearing? And he had the wrong garment on and he threw him out. And it was, you know, in one case, it's armies to burn their cities. And in the other, it's outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, uh, in the other story, the, the, the other duplicate of this story, it says they turned him over to the torturers. Let's use that word. Yeah. Wow. And it's just like, wow, I, I think it's so important in these parables. This is the most important thing is find out who God is. The Father's House has a school called the School of Transformation. Our founding, way back with Jordy Mumby, what do you want me to do, Jordy said. I want you to tell him who God is. I think one of the most, the things missing in the entire community of faith today that believe in the God of Abraham, all faiths that believe in the Jehovah God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, all people who believe in them, him are, are falling short, all of us, me included, are falling short on the gravity of misidentifying God, thinking he's this Santa Claus stay puffed doughboy. And instead, he's like a king. The king of heaven is like a king. That's what that says. The kingdom of heaven, the realm of God, is like a king who threw a wedding feast. And he, and he invites everyone with the fatted calf and the, and the feast. And it's like everything is ready for you. And when you do not respond the way he intended you to respond, he, respond, he reacts. The second thing I wanted was for people to understand who they are under him. But another really important thing is what does we know who if you find out who he is and you start to believe he is who he says he is, then you begin to believe you are who he created you to be and you like it. Suddenly you begin to become really important that you find out what does he like and what does he not yeah. like? What does he want and what does he not want? And those things have to become important to you. He'll get over it. He'll forgive me. These are some of the words that people use when they run amok and when they ignore him, what he has told us to do. And I think that, I mean, this is like, it's bone chilling. Like, I don't want one person to be sent to the outer darkness. I don't. And Jesus doesn't either. That's why or he suffered their the cities cross. burns, right? Burned, yeah, right? burning your cities. Sodom and Gomorrah, I love the story of Sodom and Gomorrah where he says, if there's 50 righteous men, would you spare the city? Yes. If there's 10 righteous men, would you spare, you know, if there's one righteous man, would you spare the city? I love mm -hmm. that because there's this heart for please, don't destroy good people because there's bad people. Mm -hmm. And in this one, all the good people, in this parable, all the good people, if you're good, you get the fatted calf and everything is prepared for you. If you're not good, you don't respond the way. And it's not its not legalism. It's the way he wants you to respond. Well, it is interesting because he said, um, he says, so go to the main roads and invite whoever you find there to the wedding feast. 
And uh, so the people they find there, they found, it says in uh, verse 10, both the bad and the good yeah. and brought them in, right? But in, the no, difference... not brought them in. Right? Invited it, them in. Invited them? Go and invite them. They found both, and it was filled with dinner guests. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. But what I was thinking when you were talking is, so he found one guy who wasn't ready. He, he wasn't ready. He didn't do anything to get to get ready to wear the, the garments of the wedding feast. And, um, and I was just thinking, like, what does that mean? Like, he, he was in the feast, but then he, he ends up getting tossed to the, the outer darkness. That's the part that scares me because it seems to me like he stopped at the invitation. Well, the invitation's enough for me, right? And that's, there's nothing else for me to do. I just got to show up. When, when <laughs> he must have had that, you know, that dream where you show up to school and you're in your underwear <laughs> sort of feeling, right? Where it's yeah. just like, oh no. That's funny. One of the kids walked past our office today and they're going swimming up at your house. And uh, it was one of your granddaughters. And they said, did you remember your stuff? And she goes, I forgot everything. <laughs> and that's, I mean, it's like the, this guy, he must have had this bone chilling thought of, you know, oh no, I am, something's not right here. But the more I thought of it, I thought of it, you know, like, it's not what you say. It's not starting the race that finishing the race that determines it's how you finish. And this guy yeah. started the race. He got the invitation, but he did not do what was necessary to finish the race. So what he didn't do was change clothes. He didn't allow himself to he didn't be transformed. Let himself, let himself be changed. And you can't miss that. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who threw a wedding feast and expects you to change mm. and become the wedding guest he intended you to be. Hmm. And that's, I got to change. I got to deny myself, pick up my cross and follow Jesus, or I'm going to be sent away. Mm -hmm. It's back to that description that I talk about so much. How do you find, how do you define belief? Bible says, if you believe you'll be saved. This parable says, if you believe you'll be in the right garment, you'll respond to the wedding feast, the invitation. The, the servants went out and in, he says, invite them all. And then it says they gathered everyone. So when they invited, everyone came mm -hmm. in this scenario. But it, it's not about that. That's not the description of the kingdom of heaven. The description of the kingdom of heaven is the king who would invite everybody, yep. good and bad. Mm -hmm. So you are invited, good and bad, come as you are. Yep. But you better change clothes when you go into that wedding yeah. feast and be in the right garment and not when you get in there you better not be bad anymore mm. and your goodness better not be like filthy rags it better be goodness that's jesus goodness that's mm. been cleansed by the blood of the lamb that's the garment that he bought for us the armor wow, that good. he produced for us the breastplate of righteousness it better be the helmet of salvation which is jesus christ up from the root of jesse will sprout from what you. does paul say put on put on christ put right? on christ the full armor of god is christ the breastplate of righteousness is christ it's the lamb of god it's it's and you come in dressed as jesus forgiven by jesus and you're not going to get there any other way. Hmm. Wearing the robe of Jesus's righteousness. I just don't, I don't, I don't know how you can stress this. It's, it's kind of funny that 
I know 30 years ago, because I've been doing this, you know, for a lifetime, that 30 years ago, a lot of people said the things I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I learned it from a lot of people. I went to Bible studies constantly where everyone was saying the kingdom of heaven is like a king who threw a feast, not a party that you're, everything's done for you and you can come as you are and stay as you are. And 30 years ago, everybody said these things. And today, I feel it's it's really strange. I sound like a very harsh man because it, yeah. it's this isn't what everyone wants to hear. But it is what it says. The king is going to throw him out. The king is going to require a response. The king is going to require a wardrobe. And I think that the wedding hall is going to be filled. Is it going to be me? Hmm. I do everything I do for the because of the what he's done for me. And I hope that that, me understanding him, he is edgy about these things. He doesn't like being misunderstood. He wants to be known. And I need to find a way to see what the kingdom of heaven is like, the king. I think the most important element of this is not worrying, do I have the right robe on? It's worrying, do I know the king? Mm-hmm. Or have I predetermined that he's a soft pedal, that he's a slow coach, that he's the guy that's going to just look the other way? Or, he doesn't. Yeah. He, he's not concerned with your behavior. I've heard that said so many times. No, he's definitely concerned with your behavior. Every parable says that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he's definitely concerned with your behavior. Well, I was I was just struck by, I guess the the word that come came to mind in the first half of the parable when they were turning down the invitation was arrogance, yeah, right. You know, and if that that thought that if we're slipping, if we find our culture slipping into that idea that actually we don't really have to to do anything, and uh, we're the ones that know best, you know, it's it's up to me to know to know what God wants and, and I can kind of do what I please. And if I do what I please and it's not right, he's not going to be that mad at me. You know, um, that seems to be the, the mindset that gets you really in trouble in this parable. Right. Yeah, it really does. The, the, to repeat myself over and over, because this is what, this is what I do. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who threw a wedding feast. It's not just any king. It's not an evil king. It's not a worldly king. It's not a man king. It's the description of the king of heaven. Mm. And he does these things that nobody likes, throws people into outer darkness, burns cities, rejects those who reject him, and invites like nobody's like me. And I get the chance because they wouldn't come. I get the chance to be there. And I think it's arrogant of me to not pay attention to the invitation and what I'm supposed to wear, who, uh, how I'm supposed to act, and I'm supposed to attend the, promptly the feast of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. And the be and, and to be honest, you know, I'm there. More to it is that if I will do that, I get to be the bride of Christ. I get to be part of the body of Christ and the bride of Christ, the church. Mm-hmm. And I get to be united with the the Lamb of God and become a joint heir with Him. And that's, I think, the most important starting element is not knowing who God is, 
It's deciding I must know who God is and begin a journey to learn that. And this parable just reveals so much about it that is for those of us who are seeking, it's exciting. Yeah. For those of us that are placating or excusing or just trying to float in, uh, it's it should be bone chilling. Mm-hmm. It really should. And it's and it's funny. Every everyone in this are people who are part of the king of heaven's kingdom. They he didn't go outside of his kingdom. He went inside of his kingdom to invite guests. Yeah. And that would be all peoples who believe in the God of Abraham. He invited them all. Whatever religion you're part of, you can't get to the Father. So come to the wedding feast of the Lamb where Jesus will allow you to get to your Father in heaven. Mm. And it's like they won't come. Arrogantly won't come. Mm. Decided that it's not true. Succumb to their own desires or their own flesh or whatever the reason they wouldn't come. And he sent armies. He got angry and said, "Armies! Oh my gosh, he got angry!" Whoa! Well, That—that's the response that a king has when rebellions happen. That's right. Right. So if there, uh, that was—that was another thing I read. To turn down the king's invitation was an open act of rebellion, <laughs> and uh, and I think that's that's something that I know I have to check myself all the time because I'm a little bit like uh, I, I'm not like I'm like a rebel without a cause sometimes, right? right. Where it's like you tell me to do something. And for some reason, just the act of telling me, not you particularly, but sometimes you, you know, it's uh, the act of telling me <laughs> to do something out, is like, uh, well, I don't want to do that. Why? Because yeah. somebody told me to do it. I know. Right. That's why, and yeah. that's and that's the thing like that obviously so doesn't it, go and well for these folks. The worst thing that happened here was they ignored. Hmm. That's what's they ignored it. So it how, says they've how can been, we not ignore that? it? They, you don't take it part. You don't make it important. Someone told you that if you believe you're saved and there's nothing you can do and there's nothing you don't need to change God, and it's like you just accept that instead of finding out who He is, instead of seeking to seek. Wow. See this back to this that's been repeated on a lot of shows lately. That most of these parables are about seekers find, askers receive, knockers have the door open to them. Yep. Key and it's not you just ask. Okay, I asked. Tough luck. It's over with. No, it's those who keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. They get what they're after. And all the people who weren't invited at first, because, I mean, that's history. That's Jewish nation. Yeah. And then those of us who were invited in the second wave, the highways and byways people like me, maybe you, maybe him. I don't know. I know it's me. Mm-hmm. We got that chance, man. We get to be invited. Now, what are we going to do with it? Just ignore it? Mm-hmm. You know, not make it important to find out who this king is to know him what does he want i'm coming to the wedding feast but it's important to be dressed right what does anyone know what what the attire is it's cleanliness it's purity it's actual literal perfection in jesus christ it's the cleansing of the blood of the lamb that's the wedding feast that's the wedding garment is to be cleansed by the lamb washed clean in the word of God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word, he is to cleanse us inside and out. And it's like, this is the wedding garment. 
that I would be obedient to his call to love my neighbor, love my brother, not as I want to be loved, but how he loved me. Obedient and living in obedience, that means I love him more than myself. And that's the garment of the, of the wedding participant. Tomorrow's wedding will be clothes, be dancing, be food, be fun, be celebration, be joy for our friend. But it is nothing like what the kingdom of heaven is like. We can only learn what the kingdom of heaven is like by listening to Jesus. He's been there. Mm. He knows heaven. And he's going to tell us what heaven is like. And what he's telling us the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like a king who threw a wedding feast. So you alluded to it a little bit before, uh, but a really good way to get some of this, this understanding of how to read this these parables and not just let them slide by right. and not just uh, shrug your shoulders, but to actually let them let them change you and start. Yeah. Uh, one way to do that is uh, we got the School of Transformation. We're sitting within the School of Transformation right. building, right, building now. right now. And, um, and that for me, I know that that was the biggest thing was how do we read the Bible and not, you know, not just be okay with it not making sense or being confusing or being, you know, yeah. looking at things that seem contradictory and instead allowing it to speak to us and figuring out what it actually says. And that was a huge, that was a big way um, for me in the last three years in School of Transformation and before listening to your sermons where it's like, okay, well, if we, if we just put the whole Bible up there and say, Here's the whole Bible. Just do what it says. It's all one communication. It's it's really difficult to say. Well, okay. Well, this is the what Jesus says about the wedding feast. But you know, back in Proverbs and Psalms and right. and uh, you know, in the Torah, it says something different. So, you know, what I learned was, hey, this is Jesus. <laughs> Listen to him, right? Yes. If anybody knows, it's going to be him. It's like a king who held a wedding feast for his son. Everybody that you read about in the Old Testament is going to be invited to this uh, this feast. And they will come or they won't come. But seeing as that they're dead, they're going to be invited to this. Mm. All, all the patriarchs of time, all the people in the Bible are going to be offered the wedding feast of the Lamb. And it's, you know, I can't imagine one of them turning it down. But us, we're going to be offered and if we're alive at the time, we better have taken the time to find out who God is. And the Bible is extremely confusing. And it's not for me. Mm. But it's but I meet the majority of Christians I meet are totally confused. They literally speak against their own self. They contradict themselves sometimes every 10 minutes. It's crazy quoting these things that mean the opposites. And I all the time I want to try to teach people how you should read the Bible. Whenever someone says it's all one communication, I know they are so confused they don't know up from down. Mm-hmm. The Old Covenant is the preparation to prove to man that they need a Savior and God will save them. But what it really tells you is who he is, mm-hmm. how he responds to everything. The kingdom of heaven, the king of heaven is like the God of the old covenant who says, I change not. 
I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I will never change. And when you read who he is and what he does, he fits this parable really well. And we're supposed to read the Old Covenant and know all of those stories. But what we're supposed to know most is who God is, what he's like, what he's about, how he responds. And if you can read the Old Covenant for the purpose of knowing who God is, and you can go about sinning freely and it doesn't bother you, living a life where you don't worry about sin, then you did not read the Old Testament to know who God is. You probably read it thinking it's all one communication, and no matter what you do, you're saved. But that is not what he, how he behaves in the mm-hmm. Old Covenant. I read the New Covenant for the reason of how I should live and what the arrangement of this contract is. The New Covenant is like a contract. It's a covenant that if I will do, he did this, and if I will do this, Another thing, he will do this. And this wedding feast is just it. If I will hear his call and come, and I will respond to who he is and dress the way he wants me to dress for this feast, be holy and forgiven, then I will receive all the benefits of the fatted calf, Mm -hmm. all the wedding elements prepared for me. I will live in his joy. It says, I will enter his joy. And so the way to read the Bible, in my opinion, is you read the old covenant to know who he is and be scared to death by it. Yep. And then you read the new covenant to see the deal he offered you with grace and love and peace and goodness, kindness, the fruit of the spirit that lives in you, self-control, all the power from on high that comes to you. And Just this awesome, living, breathing attendance of a wedding feast that goes on and on and on and has no end. And if you'll read it that way, it'll tell you how you should live. It'll tell you who he is, how you should respond to who he is. The kingdom of heaven is like a king. And so you better have a king. You better not be the master and king of your own life if you read this. You better have a king. And you better be a son to that king, Mm. not a hireling, not a prodigal. The prodigal, his own father said, was dead. But because he came back to his senses to decide to go after what his father had, what his father's life was about, his own dad said, but now my son is alive. Mm. And we can, having made all these mistakes, having lost our way, even being a proposed believer that does not live the truth, we can wake up and come back to the truth and be received. And again, that story, the prodigal son, the fatted calf, the feast, the party, the enter into the rest. The father in that story is is the father of the same king who, yes, he lets you go and squander all your life. But if you'll just turn and come back home, he'll receive you. He'll, he'll celebrate you. He'll, he'll put the golden ring on you. He'll put mm-hmm. the right robe on you. He'll kill the fatted calf and have a party for you. This is your Father who art in heaven. This is your glorious Lord and Savior who happens to be the King of heaven and Lord over all the earth. He's the king who's throwing a feast and he's inviting you. And it does not do well to ignore his invitation. It does not work out well 
to not come. It works out way better to respond, to let yourself be gathered and brought to this feast and celebrate the Lamb of God who is Jesus the Christ, who's the one telling us, telling us this. And I highly recommend that you hear my words, Mm. surrender and come to the truth, the truth of who Jesus is, that the kingdom of heaven is like a king. And he's trying to get you. He's inviting you. He's sending out angels to invite you and to prepare you, to clothe you, and celebrate you. Mm. Amen. That's great, Steve. Thank you so much for that. We uh, we miss Vicky, but hey, we can do this together, right? Yeah, we I, got that. I can do this standing on my head, but I just enjoy doing it better with her. Well, you can tune into YouTube and find out Steve's not standing. on I his am head, not standing on my head. <laughs> we we'll miss we miss you, Vicky. This time we'll have we'll have her back hopefully next time. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, have a good one. God bless. You've been listening to the Uncommon Truth. Thank you so much for making us a part of your podcast routine. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today and would love to get your feedback. You can tell us what you think about today's show at uncommontruthpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch to ask questions for Steve and Vicki or suggest a subject you'd like to hear covered. Either way, we'd love to feature your comments on an upcoming episode. If you're new to the show or just haven't done so yet, please take a moment to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps push the show up the charts so more people can find us. If you know someone who would enjoy the types of conversations that happen on The Uncommon Truth, click share on the podcast app of your choice or send them to uncommonpodcast.com. Until next time, have a great week and keep running after Christianity the way Jesus meant it to be.